0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making theology central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022. It is currently 8.35 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the second story room above, from, how should I say this? I'm coming to you live two stories above a street in Abilene, Texas. Yeah, I think that's what we agreed upon. Well, I don't know if we actually came to an agreement, but in the last live broadcast, I'm like, well, I used to say coming to you live from the middle of nowhere, Texas, or I would sometimes say coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located in the middle of nowhere, Texas. That was kind of a normal way of starting. Now I think I'm going to say coming to you live Two stories above a street in Abilene, Texas. I think that's what we agreed upon. Again, I know we didn't actually come to an agreement, but whatever I decide, I'm just going to say we came to an agreement and that all all of you were in perfect agreement with it. So let let me do this again. Welcome, everyone. Good evening. It is Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022. It is currently 8.36 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live two stories above a street here in Abilene, Texas. We're currently outside. You may be able to hear it. The wind is absolutely crazy right now. I came up here about an hour ago to do another live broadcast. I sat down behind the microphone, and I'm, I'm like, what is going on? It sounded like the roof was about to come off the house. So I'm like, okay, let's not go live. Let's go outside and look. And there's just a lot of storms around us. It's kind of really gray, cloudy, like there's a chance for thunderstorms. I think all of the thunderstorms are actually going around us and they're developing away from us, but we're just getting a lot of wind right now. Hopefully that's not too disturbing for this live broadcast but it may be a good symbol, all right, of storms, of strong wind that can push you this direction and this direction. And and, and I want you to think about this, all right? I want Because I want to really use the current situation outside to really set this up. If you've been going to church for any length of time, right? If, I, I, well, I, I can't say for any length of time because that could technically be one day. If you've been going to church for more than a year, I would probably say it would take at least a year for you to witness this. Maybe you witnessed it very early on, but usually sometimes within a year, two, three years, you're going to start seeing something. That within the church, time and time again, there's a lot of crazy things that happen. People say crazy things. People do crazy things. There's controversy. There's church splits. There's fighting. There's division. There's sin. There is scandal. And a lot of times the things that happen within the church kind of serve as a storm or a strong wind that pushes some people out. Some people witness it. They experience it. And they're like, that's it. I'm done. I'm I'm done with the church. I'm done with, they may say, I'm done with the institutionalized church. I'm done with the corporate church. I'm just done with it. It's not that I'm done with Jesus. It's not that I'm done with, with Christianity. I'm just done with the church because they've either been hurt or just experienced some absolutely insane things. And I can tell you a lot of my stories. You've heard a lot of my stories about the things I've experienced within the church. And sometimes, to be honest with you, I have to stop and look back and go, how in the world did I end up staying in the church? And what I mean by that, I kept going to church. And if I moved, I would go find another church. And if that didn't, I would go find another church. Like, why? Like what was it? Why did I keep going to church? Because a lot of people who would have experienced either what I experienced or things far less than what I've experienced would have just said, that's it. I I used to uh know uh, someone who was a chaplain in the United States Air Force. And uh, he used to be a pastor and he he got so sick of it, so sick of the crazy things and he would tell these stories about what would happen in the churches he was pastoring. And I would be like, "You got to be making this up. There's just no way that happened inside the church." He got so tired of it. He joined the military and became a chaplain. And said he basically, he he didn't want anything to do with the quote unquote church, but he still wanted to minister to people, but not in the context of a church, because as he said, churches are crazy. And I'm like, wow. And then I would hear some of my pastors tell stories of things that would happen. And I'm like, this is just absolutely unreal. And to me, it just proves once again, I mean, I could, I could just bring, you know, I feel like I could just bring a, a U-Haul truck full of evidence to demonstrate that no matter how much we pretend, no matter how much the church wants to act like Act, to to act in a certain way, the reality is we are not better. In many cases, we're not we're no more godly than the world. There we I, look. I know people are going to immediately push back. And go, no, 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 no. If we're Christians, we're different. We're a new creature, and remember, we've talked about that a million times. Yes, we're a new creature. Positionally, we're not a new creature practically because that verse goes on to say, not only are we a new creature, old things are passed away. All things have become new. We know that's not true because everyone in the church still has a sinful nature. So clearly not all things have become new, but it is true positionally. The church loves to pretend that we're godly, that we're different, we're changed, we're transformed practically. And then over and over and over, you hear of these horrible things happening within the church. Everything from Children being sexually molested to sexual harassment, sexual abuse, uh, domestic dis, uh, you know violence, church splits, uh, uh, scandal, sin, sexual sin, you ju- you just go on and on and on and on and on because the church has been, is and will always be filled with people who are sinners, who are extremely imperfect. And the church would do far better if we not only acknowledge that to the world, hey, we're sinners. We're just trying to live out our faith in this world. Positionally, we are declared to be perfectly holy because of an imputed righteousness. But practically, we are struggling and trying to live it out to the best of our ability. And it's always going to be messy. And there's always going to be failure. But we feel like we have to put forth this idea that, hey, look at us. Look at how much more godly we are. Look at how we have our lives together. Look at how perfect our families are. Look at how perfect our marriages are. And we try to put forth this image that in many cases is nothing more than a facade. And it's nothing more than a robe of self-righteousness. It's nothing more than fig leaves. Trying to cover our shame with our own fraudulent pretend righteousness. The church is constantly filled with that. There's just, there's just, uh, the church is just constantly filled with trouble and difficulty. I mean, I could, we can go from news story to news story to news story, but all of that stuff happening in the church can have a profound impact on people's lives. And, and a sense, again, strong wind outside using that, that imagery can just, in a sense, push them right out of the church. Now, what we're getting ready to hear is, it's going to be, we're going to see a little bit of this, but it will just show you the crazy things that can happen within, I'm not just going to say the Christian world, within the, we'll just say within the religious world, because that's how the news article describes it. And yes, good evening to you. Someone just said, uh, good evening in the live chat. And so we're just going to look at this because, again, if you've been a Christian, I can't say for any length of time, but if you've been a Christian for some amount of time uh, and you've been going to church, you've witnessed some pretty messed up stuff, some really messed up that can really just, uh, okay, good, good. Someone just said they don't hear it. I'm glad. Okay. I was worried that it was going to be um, causing all kinds of pro- problems. That's a good thing. But but I still want to use it as an illustration. So maybe I need to take the microphone over to the window so you can hear it. See, I, I wanted to hear the in the background. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Is that, is that a good sound effect? That sounds really bad. Okay, and then say, now we're going to use this as, as, a, as an illustration, but I guess I didn't technically need to do that, but hopefully it serves as a good illustration, right? And probably everyone listening probably has some good stories of things that they've experienced as well, but here we go. Here's why we're talking about this. On April the 12th, 2022, April the 12th, 2022, a news story was published. All right. A news story was published that and with this headline. People are sharing what made them stop being religious, and some of these are horrifying. All right. Some of these are horrifying. Well, uh, someone uh, who lives in, in the local area says they hear the wind at their house. Yes. Not on the mic, but they hear it at their house. I bet you do. All right. Because it's, yeah, it's crazy outside right now, but back to this. So they published a story where people shared basically what made them stop being religious. Now, some of this will maybe have a direct correlation with, say, the evangelical Christian church. Some of this may be things outside of that world, but I don't care where it happens. I guarantee you can find parallels within the evangelical church, probably in your life or in mine. And I may may bring forth some of the stories that has happened to me in my my own life. But let me do this, since there are people uh, commenting in the chat. Let me open up the app so that we can ensure that I don't miss any comments. Okay, good. I'll make sure I check it at different times. All right, here we go. People are sharing what made them stop being religious, and some of these are horrifying. Again, I, I just think this kind of thing just proves that we've gotta stop the the pretending. We gotta we gotta stop with the fig leaves our own fake righteousness to try to convince ourselves that, hey, we're so much better than that horrible, ungodly world out there. When I Sometimes I don't even know how much better we actually are. I know Christians lose their mind when I say that. I'm like, no, we have to be different. We must be different. I think the only thing we're different at is we just change the sins we committed in the world for a new kind of sin. It's like it's like going like you commit certain. Let's say you grow up in poverty and you live in an area that's just overwhelmed with poverty. You may commit certain kinds of crime living in poverty, but or you could live in a very wealthy neighborhood, end up in a maybe working in a big corporation. You still may be committing crime, but it's going to be a different kind of crime. I think Christians just commit different kinds of sin. We just we may exchange. You know, it's it's like someone who stops who stops uh, who overcomes being an alcoholic and overcomes alcoholism, but they start smoking three three packs of cigarettes a day. Okay, well, it's great that they stop the alcoholism, but they just exchange one addiction for a new addiction. Many Christians just exchange those horrible sins we committed when we were lost people for a more so a more socially acceptable kind of sin, uh, according to the church. All right. I mean, I don't know if you can hear that. I, I feel like the, the whole second the second floor of this house is about to just be removed uh, from the from the house. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Religion, this is how the story reads. Religion can be helpful and healing and provide community to those in need of one. But in the wrong hands, it can also be exploitative, controlling, and dangerous. Yes, religion in the wrong hands, Christianity in the wrong hands, can be used to exploit people. It can be exploitative. I think we can all agree. It can be controlling. It can be dangerous. So when, so when a certain website asked what ruined religion for you, they received all kinds of heartbreaking stories. Here are some of them. Content warning. The post contains mentions of child abuse and sexual assault. All right, so you need to be prepared for that. All right. I will I will read each one and if I need to change words or leave I I, I definitely will, but I, I definitely want you to get the idea of what's going on here. And and I and I know anytime Christians hear some of these horrible stories, like, well they were not there were not true Christians. They were not true Christians. They were not it just as soon as we hear a story that's bad, we're like, they weren't true Christians, they weren't true. That's the go-to answer anytime the church is confronted with bad behavior. Well, they weren't true Christians. That's that's the that's the go-to. All right, but here we go. Here we go. Number one, going to a megachurch, they received over $1 million in donations every weekend and spent it on elaborate props and videos rather than helping the community in any meaningful way. All right? Now, this is a common complaint. This is a common reason some people get frustrated with the church. Now, look, some of these we we could obviously push back a little bit. Look, first of all, if you're going to a gigantic megachurch, I mean, didn't that, wasn't that a clue that they had to be spending a lot of money just on the building, just on the upkeep? Because here's the thing, the reason those big megachurches have so many people is there's this I learned this all the way back in in seminary. There, There was this common kind of like a joke and kind of like, this is the way it works. You build it and they will come. You get the big building. Well, guess what you're gonna do with the big building? You've gotta have the big high, you know, costly produced videos that attract people. you got to have the stage. you got to have the praise band. you got to have the smoke machine. You've got to have it all. you got to have everything. And so a lot of people go to those big churches and then get mad because they see the big church bringing in all of this money. And they're like, but they're not using that money. Yeah, they stopped using the money for all of those things. A lot of the people who went to the church would stop going because now it's not the big, it doesn't have the big production. Church, you know, churches will spend crazy amounts of money on producing videos and slides and graphics and, and marketing campaigns. And I I, th- I do think it's ridiculous. But the question is, all right, you you were you were going to a mega church. why did you start going to the mega church in the first place? What what made you go? Now I agree that it's insane. But for every time when they're like, hey, I went to a megachurch. They were bringing in well over a million dollars a weekend and they were spending all the money, all this other stuff and not to help the community. Well, okay. Why would that make you stop going to church period? Because megachurches are not the only churches that exist. Okay. So I don't know if this is a good one, but I do think that churches spend a lot of money. I, it's a catch 22. You'll have those who criticize the church for spending the money on all of this nonsense. But in many cases, if they weren't spending the money and all of this nonsense, they would be a small church that probably wouldn't have any money to help the community anyway. So in one sense, you've got to spend the money to get all the people so you're bringing in the money. But you, then you've got to keep using the money to keep doing all of those things which attracts the people. If you stop doing that, then all the people leave. You're no longer a mega church, You're a little small church. And let me tell you, when you're a little small church, there's very little you can really do to help the community. Because you're a little small church so how do you balance that out well, I think the church has to just do what the church is called to do and and stop with all of that stuff and be willing to become a smaller church but that's a whole different subject it's just it was interesting that's the one they started with there's a comment underneath it I can't read all the I can't read the language here but it says this there's a mega church outside of Tampa that has a Right, they use a very strong word here, a, a very an, ex, an expletive. I won't say what the word is, but there's a megachurch outside of Tampa that has a Starbucks in it. Now, that's someone complaining that they go to these megachurches and they see all of this stuff and they're like, "This is ridiculous. This is stupid." But what made you go to the, a megachurch in the first place? What, like, what? I want to know. Like you, you get there, you see what's not there, and you hate it and you reject it. And according to this these are people who are like that's it they're never going back to church. But, but ask yourself why did you go to the mega church? Because I guarantee in your city there were probably hundreds of little smaller churches. So it's just sometimes people criticize the mega church But it was those very things that they spent the money on that got them there in the first place. So I just find that, I don't know, I find that one a little bit disingenuous. But okay, there's the first one. I think we could say this. Now, remember, what I always try to do is whatever, I always try to hear any criticism and then look to ourselves. I think every church has to ask ourselves this, what do we do with the money we receive? What are we doing with it? How are we using it? How are we using it? All right. Number two. Here's the second one. So the first one was a megachurch. Over a million dollars in donations every weekend. They spend it on props and videos rather than helping the community in any meaningful way. Now it would be interesting to know what the mega church was to know for sure if the mega church wasn't helping the community because a lot of times people make that allegation and then you find out that the church is actually doing a lot of things so I don't know if they actually looked or investigated or just decided the church is greedy and they're done so I I don't know. So, I- that one is not the most, look, I could come up with a hundred other reasons why you should leave uh, the church. That's probably not a good one, but it, but it's one that we need to take to heart. All right, number two, a friend of mine got me to tag along to mass one day in college. I was raised with the somber death march that is Roman Catholicism. My friend walked me into what looked like a reclaimed and refurbished warehouse, huge and full of people, two bands, a stage, not an altar, they had a commercial break for an expose uh, uh, for, expo. No, let me read this again. They had a commercial break for Expo erasable markers in the middle of it. I couldn't understand how everyone just rolled with it. All right. Now, this one is obviously complaining that the, the church was turning to all of these modern day techniques, basically borrowing from the evangelical world and. And they did not like it and they were bothered by it. And I guess the, uh, I guess the implication is because the whole article here is that, that that's what made them quit. They were done. They were finished. Now, again, why wouldn't you just go to another Catholic church that obviously is following the way things are supposed to be? But it does raise an important question. This raises a very important uh, a, a kind of a question and kind of just starting to make me think. If you go back to the 90s, right, we could, we could go back in time, Willow Creek, Saddleback, um, a, lot of, a lot of these churches that became very innovative. And the way they did their services, the way they structured everything, you know, Willow Creek's whole model of building a church for those who don't go to church, like going door to door in an area saying, okay, do you go to church? No. Tell me what you don't like about church and then creating a church for the unchurched. This was a, a major push in the 1990s. There was much dis- dispute and debate about it within the church. And then you had all of these, you had the seeker-friendly service uh, churches. You had, you had churches that had multiple services. You had the contemporary one. You had the traditional one. And there were all these ideas trying to give people whatever they want. And it, it would be interesting to note, of all of those attempts, obviously, It worked for many churches because they grew into these mega churches, bringing in thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So, in their minds, these concepts worked. But let's say for every 10 people who were attracted to it, I wonder how many people it pushed out. And they were like, What is this? This is not church. This is like a concert. This is like a production. This is like a TV show. I don't even know what this is. And they walked out. And then it would be curious to know for all the people who walked in for the big production, how many stuck around and how, how many now have just got bored of it and walked away? Because obviously we know now that obvious that, that a lot of those numbers are now gone. People are dropping out of church. They stopped going to church. So I think you can build the big spectacle. You can attract a crowd with the spectacle, but you got to keep giving them more of a spectacle to keep them. And at some point, they're just going to get bored with the spectacle and then they're going to leave. So that that was an interesting second one. The first one, okay, I've heard that claim a lot, you know, where the church doesn't do anything with its money to help anybody. So I'm never going back to church. Okay. All right. that, That just seems odd. And then this one is just weird that, especially cuz it seems to be referring to a catholic church there would be plenty of catholic churches in your area that would be following a more traditional mass i think the the catholic churches abandoning that are smaller in number but in the evangelical world it, there's all these churches that still try every gimmick under the sun and i wonder how many times those gimmicks actually push some people out of the church like like they they, they always tell you the the they give you the you know the success stories but what about the people who leave and i remember during a lot of this time churches would say well some people just got to go the the people who won't adapt the people who won't accept these this new way of doing church they just have to leave because they're just holding back the church and it's like is that yeah i mean we we could have a long discussion about that one all right so so far the first two all right Deals with money and deals with new ways of doing churches. All right, number three. When I was six years old, the pastor gave a letter to my aunt to give to my mom saying that we were not donating enough money to the church. So we stopped going and I've never been to church since. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Now, this one, the only the only one here, the, the only thing I would say about this one is the person was six. So I don't know. Like, are you sure you heard the story right? Like, I mean, because you 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 had to hear what other people were saying. But if that was true, that is absolutely the most insane. I mean, I'm I i can not say it's the most insane thing I've ever heard. I've seen some crazy things coming. Again, it's dealing with money. The number one is money, number three is money. Isn't that interesting? Number two is innovation in the church, right? But number, th- but number one and number three deals with money. I wonder how many money issues have driven people out of the church never to go back. I- I will, I'm, I'm going to say this. If a church is keeping track on who's giving what, I guess some churches have to because some people at the end of the year they want some kind of a tax statement so they can file for a tax exemption and a lot of people who do that they don't realize you create an odd situation right if you're like hey i donated what $500 i need a receipt or i need what or, or, or a financial statement so that i can file in my taxes and i can get you know uh, uh, i can i can file a claim here an exemption here so that i can get some more money back um or I don't have to pay as as as, you know, as as much in taxes. The problem is when you have a system like that, someone's got to keep track of exactly who's giving what. They got to keep a track of. So this family gave this much money. 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 And I would say, if you're giving money to the church so that you can get an exemption on your taxes, I mean, I don't know. Is that the right? Is that the right approach? I think that's I think more it's more negative because someone in the church is going to have to know which family is giving what, and that just to me leads to a bad situation like as a pastor, I don't want to know I don't even want to look, I don't even want to see I don't want to know who's giving what because because then there's always because you can be tempted if so and so is upset. Or you know that if you're going to say something, that family is going to be upset and they're the ones supporting your church, you know, by, you know, maybe they're, they're supporting the church. 60% of the support comes from that family. You're going to be tempted not to say what you think needs to be said because you don't want to offend them. I think that's just a bad situation, but to, to, to not only keep track, but then to contact someone saying you're not giving enough. That's insane. That's crazy, but you got to pay attention. Because some churches will they make you sign a church covenant before you join and a lot of times that church covenant will say something like you promise to tithe Now when you start that these things get really ugly and really messy because if you sign a covenant and then you don't fulfill said covenant, then are you not possible uh, possibly for church discipline So yeah, the whole situation could get really 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 ugly but it's just interesting that this one, has something about uh money. Uh underneath this and underneath that someone writes this. Something like this happened to my friend's grandma. The church wrote her, le- wrote her a letter basically saying they knew how much money she was making and that she should be giving more to the church. Her response was I can't say the word and I'm moving to Mexico. So the person was not, I mean, again, we know how much you're making. What kind of, again, sometimes you want to go, what kind of church was this? Where was this church? Those are crazy stories, but let's continue. Number four. This one is crazy. Number four. Being kicked out of a Christian school prior to the third grade Because my mom bought the wrong edition of the Bible. Now, I'm assuming this had to be a KJV-only school. Probably, I would assume, maybe a a school part of an independent fundamental Baptist church, which tends to be very KJV-only oriented. I have a hard time that someone would be kicked out and they would just say, you got the wrong Bible, you have to exchange, you have to, they can't use this Bible I don't know if they would like, oh, you bought the wrong Bible. They're kicked out. I think there's more to that story. That's that's absolutely uh that's absolutely crazy. That's that's just that's crazy. But again, your family, if they went to a KJV only church and enrolled you in a KJV only school, you think they would have known that, right? I mean I'm just assuming it's KJV only because I've gone to KJV only churches and I've gone to KJV only schools. So I know that that world a little bit, but uh, that just seems like a crazy one. That just seems like a crazy one. Yeah, there's not much I can say about that one. Let's go to the fifth one. I'm going to hang on. I got to click on story continues. All right. No, uh, number five, when the pastor started ranting about the evils of women, saying that Satan walks among us in the body of every female and men must take measures against them. It was later enforced in my mind when I met this very timid granddaughter in high school. She fully believed she was cursed from birth and showed signs of abuse. It didn't make me think uh, all Christians are evil, but it showed me how easily a religion led by humans, can be warped. That theme has been shown to me too many times now to get behind the idea of any formal religion. The evils of women and that Satan walks among us in the body of every female. Okay, this one is crazy. This one is crazy. All right. I have no idea, obviously, what was said in this particular church. I do know, I, and I cannot speak from a woman's perspective, but from a male's perspective, at least in my mind, at least in my mind, whether this was done intentionally, was it unintentionally, was it, did I miss misunderstand the message, but the message pretty much went like this, all right? That obviously one of the worst kinds of sins, one of the worst kinds of sins that you could commit. I mean, especially as a teenager, this was just, it seemed like every time you got together for anything related to teenagers, the message was going to be about sexual sin and about sexual sin. And it was pretty much like, okay, look, if you even look at a woman, and and the Bible does speak of this, but how... How we handled this, I think sometimes we didn't think this through. But basically, as a teenage boy, you're being told, if you even look at a girl the wrong way, right? With luck, you're guilty of adultery. You're guilty of fornication. And so you have to start thinking, man, okay, and so then you'd be told, look, you don't even be alone with a female. You don't, you you be careful even look at them. Basically, you're almost, you're almost feel like women are dangerous. You know, women are the enemy. You almost start feeling like, you know what? I can't even get around a woman. Okay. If I even look at her the wrong way. Okay. I can't, I can't, I, you know, just, I, you know, I, I don't even know what to do. I'm just going to walk into church with, I, I don't know. I can't go anywhere in the world because there's women and who knows how what my mind will do. And you almost get this. Feeling that women are that you're trying to live out the Christian life, and that as a Christian you literally can be guilty of fornication or adultery simply by looking at a woman and lusting. Well, that that clearly makes you feel like that the women are evil, or may not women are evil. Women are dangerous. Women is the source of temptation. And I don't know what that teaching does in the mind of a woman, but in the mind of of a of a of a teenage boy or a man. You kind of get this idea that, man, and, and you would be told, don't be alone with a woman. Don't be alone. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And it was almost like, like you know, you're weak and women will destroy you. Women will bring you down. Instead of women being seen as, how can I say it, as a, a sister in Christ who's there to help they're almost always seen as a liability because they're the source of all your struggles. Because again, the one sin you cannot commit is a sexual sin. Other sins you can commit and, 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 and you you can get another chance. Sexual sin will be the end of you. And I don't, I don't know the correct way. Um, I, don't, I cannot say that there is an easy way to sometimes teach these things. It, because it's it's really difficult because the Bible does give us that very serious teaching that if you look at a woman with lust, you're guilty. And so how do you, on one hand, say, hey, take this information, but you don't view women simply as an object of temptation. You got to see them as a human being created in the image of God. And and that the, the real the issue is you, not them the issue is you not them and i think we t- i think the church has constantly placed the responsibility on the woman and not on the man now women have responsibilities by no means that cannot be just ignored they have a responsibility as a christian woman but as a christian man you you can't just always you can't blame you, you mess up it's on you so I don't know what was actually taught in that church. I don't know if the pastor was saying. A Satan walks among us in the body of every female. I I, I don't know the context of the sermon. Yeah. You know, th- this creates lots of problems when, when uh, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have good information. We don't have good information of exactly what was said. So... It could have been a a pastor trying to explain the dangers of sexual temptation and just really stated it in a a horrible, horrible way. Let's go to another one. Number six. Uh, This one is not good. Okay, here's, here's number seven. All right. Being told that being sexually abused as a child was a good thing as God needed to teach me a lesson on hubris, basically arrogance, pride, and ego. I should accept it as a lesson and do better so I wouldn't fall into the clutches of the devil. I was seven. Apparently, I was asking for it. That's that's pretty tragic. That's... That's pretty tragic. I, I, I don't have, I don't have words for that one. I mean, th- that is that is horrible. I again, the person was seven, so I don't know if 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 what they w- were told or what they heard. You know, because the, the memory of a child is not always perfect, so. But we've heard this kind of thing in some recent controversies that we've reported on, right? That somehow if you're being abused, if you're being sexually abused, you know, well, you, you accept that because, you know, they're, they're God, God, there's a purpose in it. And, and, and uh, how about what happened to you was evil and what happened to you was wrong, See, this is one of those things that sometimes Christians sometimes really have a hard time dealing with, with horrible tragedies. Christians have a hard time when someone is sexually abused or raped, when horrible things happen, Christians stumble all over themselves and trying to offer because they, they feel like their first thing they have to do is they gotta they gotta they gotta make God, they gotta defend God, right? The the, the sometimes what Christians have a tendency to do is instead of trying to comfort the one who suffers, they feel like they have to excuse God, well, you know what this is horrible, but but you know God probably meant it for good, and and that we we go into like i got to defend God. How about comfort the person who's who is abused and hurt, but we feel like we always have to defend god we got to get God off the hook, you know you know well well God, God had to mean it for good, and god 's going to use it for good and 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 God sometimes uses horrible things maybe to break our pride and 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 to make us better, and we 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 go into. Defending God and we don't defend God. We don't have to defend him. It's not my job. I can't, I can't understand why God, I mean, why did God do what he did to Job? You got, you got a good answer? God didn't give an answer, did he? No. So we try, and in fact, many people start the book of Job spending more time trying to defend what God did. How about this is just this, it just records what God did. And when Job wants an answer, he gets questions. I think sometimes when people suffer, the church, the church's response to suffering is so bad that it drives people away. And it's usually so bad in what we say. Christians say some of the absolute most horrific and foolish things. I mean, someone's sitting there, their their, their, their family member is dead, and Christians will just, they, they just feel like that we have to throw out some kind of words of comfort that in many cases you're just like, what are you saying? Just stop. Just stop talking. Sometimes the best thing to do is just be there. So I, I think that sometimes the way church responds to suffering it's like a storm that and a wind that pushes people out of the church. All right, here's number seven. There is this really popular Christian radio station my parents listened to when I was younger. And when the hosts were talking about some Christian gathering, they referred to non-believers as icky people. I was so annoyed, at the time I was still religious and kept thinking, what if someone who didn't believe was checking this out for the first time? I'm very much not religious now, but back then it really opened my eyes to how, uh, 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 I can't say the word, let's just say crappy people were. Well, once again, if you were religious, you should have known how crappy people were because the Bible tells us that we're all quote unquote crappy, we are totally depraved. And that depravity even shows up within the church. But I've listened to Christian radio a lot in my Christian life, a lot. And I've talked about it many times. Drive When I would do most of my live recordings from the church, I would drive and listen to American Family Radio. And I can remember a day, American Family Radio They're sitting there talking about the vice president of the United States of America. They're talking about Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, and they're using all of these derogatory nicknames. And it's just came across as so fleshly and worldly and ungodly. But this is a Christian radio station. And it's like, no, you're trying to act like you're you're a, a part of a secular talk radio show. We're Christians. We don't speak about people that way, but. That they did. And I think a lot of times Christians, when they talk about the lost, when they talk about sinners, when they talk about people we disagree with, we sometimes re- re- basically act like we're lost people talking about people we don't like. And that can drive people out of the church. Number eight, the non-answers to all my questions as a kid. You just to have faith is a dumb way to respond to an inquisitive mind. Well, amen to that. The non-answers to all my questions. Christians sometimes are really bad when they get difficult questions. They get offended. They get they go on the defensive. Well, what about this? And what? Oh no, no 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 no. What? And they get all mad. And it's like, calm down. It's perfectly. Ask all the questions that you can. Ask all the questions you can. Uh, I'll never forget the first religious question I ever asked. Okay, now this was we're going back to when I was in kindergarten. I went to Fair Park in Abilene, Texas. Went there for kindergarten, like first and second grade. So I could have been in first grade. Maybe the latest I could have been was second grade, I think. But uh, Fair Park, Abilene, Texas, a little right off the uh, South 7th Street, right there, but right before you get to Rose Park. Well, right there, Rose Park is here. And across the street, there was this big church. I don't even remember what kind of church it was. But this is one of those weird, you know, a different time. They, the school... "Quote unquote," for a field trip, had us walk from Fair Park to the church. It was, you know, maybe a, a block, if even ha- maybe half a block, and then we the, we we sat down in the sanctuary. And I don't even remember what the pastor said, but they give us kind of like a basic thing of of Christianity. Of course, a complete <laughs> a complete violation of <laughs> separation of church and state. But it was Texas a long time ago. All right, but but I remember that they asked they they had the kids any questions. Any questions? And I'll never forget my question. I wasn't a Christian, didn't even profess to be a Christian. I don't think I'd ever been to church at this point. I raised my hand, and my question was, who created God? That was my question. Who created God? And uh, I, you know, they, they probably tried to explain to me the eternality of God or whatever, but I was like, wait a minute, if we're created, then why – then who made God? If we're made, then who made God? And and I, I don't I wasn't satisfied with whatever the answer was. I wasn't satisfied with it. Um or it didn't make any sense to me. I don't remember the answer very well. I'm assuming, I'm hoping they gave me the eternality of God is the answer. I hope they didn't come up with some other craziness, but yeah, a lot of times people are driven out of the church because the church seems to be the last place that wants actual questions and struggles and, and having problems and, and acknowledging that, hey, you see that story in the Bible? That's a problem. Like we, we need to get back to our looking at all the passages that deal with sexual abuse. They're, 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 they're disturbing. And we need, we'll, we'll get back to those. But we have to, we have to deal with those kinds of passages. Uh, Someone underneath that wrote this. When I was a kid, I asked my grandmother where God came from, and she smacked me across the face and said, we don't ask questions like that. I was just being honestly curious because I wanted to understand, and her reaction shocked me. That's where it all started for me. Yeah, a lot of churches, they may not physically slap you, but they will, uh, uh. Okay, uh, someone just said, uh before i believed election i was a big god defender yeah i think i think i i i think with with election or with the doctrine of election or without the doctrine of election we just got to realize i mean we, we who are we in many cases to defend god i mean because some i mean in some cases our defense i mean we're trying to defend what god did how can you defend what god did unless god told you why he did it I mean you can try to come up with all the excuses in the world why you suffered, why this happened, why this happened, why this happened and most of the cases we're just again the book of Job to me whether I believed in election the book of Job to me is so profoundly impacts me because Job does not get an answer. He is not given a answer. He's just giving questions. And, and but yeah, uh, some people you just you can't ask questions all right number 9 my mother she instilled some serious shame into me under the guise of god some things she said not allowed to believe in santa because that takes credit away from god santa was actually a hand of satan trying to corrupt me all right now let's stop right here and look i do understand as a christian parent and again we just have to understand this. As Christians, we make a million mistakes. I understand that I did not want my kids to associate Santa with with Christmas. I did not. Now, I, I, we had people even in our church early on that took this way, way far, way far. They, they, for them, Santa Claus was Satan Claus, and it was they took it far. They went like crazy with the stuff. My thought was more like, if I can just like, I don't want this to be about. now, when we were young Christians, we probably, we took it a little too far. And then we started, I tried to realize, you know what? Look, as long as they understand that Santa is not real, right? That he's not real because he's not. So I'm not going to pretend to convince them that he is because that's a lie. But if they just see that Santa is like a fictitious character, like all the other fictitious characters they watch in cartoons or in a movie, well then who cares? Um, it's a fictitious character. If you want to play, you know, you want to talk about Santa, great, but he's not real. And as long as they understand he's not real, then no harm. But I don't want them to think that there's a real person who flies around in a sled with reindeers bringing gifts and basically distract them for what the about the incarnation. But I can understand that some Christian parents, you know, can say things that that in the mind of a child it sticks with them forever and can make them start hating religion and driving them out of the church. Um, not allowed to believe in the Easter bunny because it was also a hand of Satan trying to corrupt me away from Jesus. Again, not allowed to believe in the Easter bunny just sounds like you do realize the Easter bunny is not real. You do realize Santa Claus is not. It's not like you're, you're not allowed to believe in this. Your parents were trying to tell you they were not real. Now, they may have went about it in a crazy way, but... But again, in the mind of a child, who knows how they're going to to remember it. You, 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 when your kids grow up and they tell you different stories about the past, you're kind of like, wait a minute. That's not the exact way that went down. But in their minds, that's the exact way it went down. And you can't change their mind. So you always got to think about when you're explaining something to a child, exactly how you're explaining that to them. Um, I wasn't allowed to feel pride in my accomplishments because it's a sin. Um See, I uh, okay, I was okay. They they use a very a strong cuss word here because my dad got me fully vaccinated as a child, and that is against God's plan. Hollywood is operated by Satan, so I wasn't allowed to watch movies or shows, especially Disney. Harry Potter was an absolute no because witchcraft is an affront to God. Scientists should not be trusted under any circumstances. My rare genetic condition was part of God's plan, and I'd understand someday. Not allowed to say certain cuss words because it's an affront to God uh, that combined with her regular non-religious abuse has left me struggling a lot with my religiosity. Now, I agree that there's lots of Christian parents who are well-meaning. They're well-meaning. They're trying. But man, sometimes the only thing the kids take away from their religious experience, and this is very true, a, 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 a lot of things for, for some Christian kids, All they take away from their religious experience growing up is don't, 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 don't Don't, wrong, 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 wrong. Sin, sin, sin. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. No, 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 no. Bad, bad, bad. Don't don't see it. Don't look at it. Don't listen to it. Get away from it. Run from it. Hide, 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 hide. The world's out to get you. Everything is evil. Everything is sinful. You can't do anything. Sit in your room and read your Bible and say the Apostles' Creed. The end. Now, even if you don't mean to be that way, that's definitely how it can come across. It's definitely how it can come across. Uh now this is this this is uh someone just said some people think it takes away their childhood when they're not lied to about all the fictitious people uh, lie to their kids about uh tooth fairy. You no, know, you're right. Uh, some, some kids will grow up and because you didn't lie to me about Santa Claus, the Easter bunny, the tooth fairy, you ruined my life. You, you destroyed my life. And I do agree. Some people take it really, really hard. And I, I do, I do understand that. But um, you know, how do you balance that out? How do you balance that out? Again, th- this is the never ending struggle of a Christian parent. It's so difficult because remember this is this is a very important theological truth. As a Christian parent, your parenting kids are not regenerate; they're not saved. So in many cases, you're trying to tra- raise you're trying to make them act like Christians when they're not Christians, and even if they make a profession of faith, that profession of faith is so in its infancy, you, first of all, you don't even know if it's actual faith. You don't even know if it's actual regeneration. You don't know anything. And so in many cases, it's like Christian parents are running around trying to make their kids act like little Christians who are not Christians, which is just a whole, like, how do we, we parent that way. But for many kids raised in a Christian home to them, Christianity is just about, all they can remember is don't, 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 don't Don't, don't. Sin, 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 sin. Shame, shame, shame. Condemnation, condemnation. Judgment, 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 judgment. You can't watch anything. You can't do anything. All right? Yes, and then... Someone just brings up the uh, the uh, other side. Then kids who are lied to can later on say, well, you lied to me about that. What else are you lying to me about? Like you can't win as a parent sometimes. No matter what you do, trust me, no matter what you do, it's probably going to end up being wrong, okay? But I just do want all Christian parents to realize that many kids grow up and all, their whole thought of Christianity is the don'ts, don'ts, don'ts. Don't. Even if you supposedly are giving them a a... Positive alternative, even when you're trying to give them a positive alternative and many kids, the kid's mind won't remember the positive alternative. They're just going to remember all the don'ts, 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 can't, can't, bad, bad, sin, sin, shame, shame, shame. And it's very hard to find that balance. It's very hard to find that balance, and some Christian parents will just act. Usually, it's younger Christian parents who always think they got it all figured out, and they act all real tough. My kid is never. My kid is not going to be seduced by the world. My kid, and they 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 act like they're going to be all tough and and they're gonna they're gonna and make sure their kids. And you just want to sometimes pull those parents aside and go, you do realize that your kids already messed up. They were born that way. They're already depraved. They're already dead in their trespasses and sin. They're already carnal. They're already worldly. Before anything is, they're exposed to anything. They're diapers, they're vipers and diapers. You're just going to have to accept that. That's what they are. And some Christian parents cannot accept that. And so kids raise and this drives them, this drives them out, out away from Christianity. All right. Um. All right, here's here's number, I mean, there, there's so many of these. Here's number 10. I was 15. My father had been diagnosed with AL, ALS. I had gone to a youth group thing with a Christian friend of mine, and they had a circle of teenagers going around talking about things going on in their lives and relating it to God. When it was my turn, I shared that my father was dying, and I didn't understand why him. I was angry and said something along the lines, I doubted there was a God if it was happening. because Basically, a normal thing to say when you're young and you have a sick relative. I got chewed out for even questioning God, and the rest of the kids refused to talk to me the rest of the night, including my friend. You would think I had killed someone; it was that strong of a reaction yeah when you're when horrible things happen. Yeah, you, it, Christians are almost the ones who basically say you can't express your pain, your bitterness, your anger, your doubt. You're not allowed to do it. And I'm, I'm telling you, when you have Christians around you who won't let you express your pain, your doubt and your frustration, they're not, they, they, they're hurting you because if God is true and if Christianity is real, it can handle your anger. It can handle your doubt. It can handle your frustration. It can handle it. But I know how Christians act when things happen. When my mom died, yeah. Basically, you know, know, well, all things will work together for good. Yeah, thanks for telling me that. Are you going to go home and see your mom now? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah, why don't you just shut up and get out of my face? That's literally how I felt. Every time a Christian talked to me after my mom died, it made me absolutely ill. Because it was just nonsense and oh, you talk about wanting to leave christianity all right number 11 the fact that if you're not in my religion you're kind of bad word and the afterlife i don't i didn't choose my religion so what makes me so special well this is the one having an issue with the idea of eternal judgment which yeah. Now, look, some things are going to drive people out of Christianity because of the truths Christianity teach. We just have to acknowledge that. Some people are going to hear the truths Christianity teach and they're going to immediately walk away, and which is is understandable because unless God saves them, the unregenerate heart is going to reject everything Christianity teaches. All right? Um All right, there's uh There's a lot more here going on. There's a lot. I mean, I wish we could read all of these. There's how many of these? Uh, There's 20, there's 26 of these. And the stories go from, from bad to crazy to insane. What I just want you to realize is a lot of things happen in church that drives people out. A lot of times that happens in the Christian home because trying to raise kids uh, in a Christian home is challenging, and sometimes we don't think about how they're going to perceive it when they get older. And there, and don't look to me for some easy answer because there's no easy answer. Almost what you, whatever you do is going to be possibly wrong. And just remember this: if they're unregenerate, well, <laughs> they're they're going to have an unregenerate response to everything you do. So that's another thing to to keep in mind. But let me just tell you uh, just so briefly of some crazy things that happened to me. My father died of cancer. It was a, it was a slow process. He had lung cancer and it was a slow deterioration, right? Now me and my father did not have a good relationship, but I went to see him, um, I think, uh, once or twice at, 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 at his house, uh, while he was going through chemo I and mean, going through different cancer treatment. I don't remember all the exact cancer treatment he was going through. And, uh, you know, I won't say we didn't really reconcile, but, you know, my thing was, look, let's not try to reconcile now. Just worry about getting better because, you know, you, you, we, you're like, let's not, I don't want, I didn't want to get into all of that at that time. But, but we, we talked and everything was, was civil and everything was as, as good as it could be. And he got worse and worse. Now, at this time, remember, I'm a, I'm a full time in the military full-time, uh, you know, a pastor, uh, basically uh, as a full-time pastor, basically I got two full-time jobs. I'm doing a podcast, basically multiple hours a day. So basically I have three full-time jobs on top of that being, uh, you know, a father so, and, and a husband. So, you know, basically I had four full-time jobs, basically. So all this is going on in my life, just chaos, 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 chaos. My father dies. Right? Now of course it was it was getting worse and worse leading up to it. Then he dies. I think it was two days, three days after my father dies. No, no it, was, it was less than a week after my father dies. I made some statement about how many emails that I had gotten just with all kinds of, you know, not, not anything about my father, just all the common number of emails that I get from listeners at that time from the podcast. And it was just crazy. So someone from the church emailed me and said, well, how do you, uh, how do you keep track or, or how do you ensure that the people of the church get responded to when you're responding to so many other emails? Now I thought it was just a genuine, Question of curiosity, had no idea I was being set up. And I said, well, I do my very best. And if I see an email from someone from my church, I try to respond to it as soon as possible. Now, remember, this is less than a week after my father died. And all of a sudden, the person just responds with full blast. No, you don't. I emailed you like four days ago, five days ago, and you haven't responded You're putting your listeners before your church members. And I'll never forget going. This person didn't even email me to ask me how I was doing. Didn't even email me to say, I'm sorry for your, the loss of your father. They put me on full blast. And I responded with something like, uh, you know, my father just died. I can't remember. I don't even remember what I said. Now it, that, that's just something I mean right there can just make you just say forget Christianity forget forget Christianity forget Christians because what kind of messed up thing is that they're worried because they were offended that I didn't respond to an email and it wasn't in an email like oh I need your help I am struggling it was like asking me some philosophical question it was like just asking me a question wanting to have a philosophical discussion it wasn't like anything pressing and they were mad that I did not respond to them. Now to be fair. That person, I think a year later, they left the church. I think it was a year later. I think it was a year later. They, uh, the person contacted me, met me for lunch, and apologized. So it was awesome. They apologized for just basically the way they acted. And, and I, I'll never forget that because that's the only apology I've ever uh, received when people act like jerks when they leave the church. That's the one time I got an apology. But I'm just saying, at that moment, you were just like, what? The church is just, the people are evil. People are completely just ungodly evil. And then I have to remind myself, I'm ungodly and I'm evil. I'm ungodly and I'm I'm evil as well. The church is always a messy place. It always will be. And, And this is 26 stories here of people and why they left the church. There's been entire books written about exit interviews and why people leave the church and why people leave Christianity. And the, all of the books and stories that I've ever read are always usually horrible, crazy, insane things, which just reminds us the church will always be broken. It never will be perfect, and if you think it's perfect. But here's what we have to just constantly remind ourselves. For every horrible thing Christians do to you, for every horrible thing the church does to you, there's no excuse for what they did. There's no excuse. And if it was an illegal activity, it should be turned over to the authorities. There is no excuse for it. But a couple of things to remember. Number one, for every evil people do, for every sin, for every hurtful thing, for every way they let you down, for every way they disappointed you, for every scandal that they were involved in, look in the mirror. You've got your own sin your own failure your own dirt maybe you don't have scandal because nobody knows about it but trust me you've got enough of your own failure and sometimes it's easy to remember to remember everything that everyone else did wrong and forget all of the mess up stuff in us we got to always look at ourselves and number 2 remember the failure of the church isn't about uh, has nothing to do with the failure of god or of christ The failure of the church is the never-ending reminder of why we need Christ and why our salvation must be by grace alone because the people even in the church demonstrate that they would never be good enough to be saved if their salvation was dependent upon their works. But at the same time, we do have to look at what we do and ask ourselves, what are we doing and why are we doing it that way? And what can we do better when we talk about money? When we, when we create a situation where people think Christianity is nothing more than do's and do's and don'ts and don'ts and don'ts. And I know being, uh, being a Christian parent is extremely hard. How the church handles sexual sin and can, can almost make the women the enemy. Like, like there's a lot of things the church says and does that we don't think about. And sometimes because we're not willing to listen to those who have left, to those who are hurt, we've got to listen to those who are like, man. Now they may they, they, some of their stories. I'm like, I, I challenge some of these stories. And go, well, wait a minute. I don't know exactly what went on there, but we still want to hear them and go, okay. I don't know exactly what happened there, but it brings up the issue of money or it brings up the issue of sexual sin, or, And at least listen to it and go, man. Okay, I remember how someone viewed being talked, Santa, the Easter bunny being talked about. It had profound impact on them. So how can we, what can we do? Now it doesn't mean we compromise. It just means that we need to be sensitive to those who've been driven out of the church by the winds and the storms that happen within and realize our own guilt in them. All right, I'm gonna to have to stop there. I, that it's kind of interesting that it went this long. I wasn't really thinking that, uh, the, the store, this, this would go that long, but it did. To those who've been driven out of the church by the winds and the storm. Okay. I'm listening to myself because on my software, it says the church. Oh no. Okay. Okay. It's, it's, it's back. Uh, for the longest time, the church one app, uh, the software said that it was basically gone and, and it wasn't working. So I, I don't know if it stopped on the Church One app. If it did, I apologize, uh, but it worked perfectly on Spreaker. So I'm I'm, I'm so glad we do it on uh, we're live on two services. But I will upload this. I don't know if this was beneficial at all this evening. Uh, but uh, someone uh, someone just uh, said this uh, that their family had a crazy experience. There was a church split, and from my understanding, we were basically forced out. And someone from the church called CPS on my parents, and the complaints were about things that happened at church. Yeah, church splits are horrible, horrible, horrible. And bad things happen in church splits. Yeah. I mean, ever, everyone, I mean, there's so many stories out there. They just, you can fill books and books and books up with, with the crazy things that's happened in churches. And you have to ask, again, just We've got to stop with the nonsense that somehow we're, we've got, Christians love this feeling that we've got it all together and we're godly and we've we 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 got it all figured out and it's that messed up world out there that's, they're foolish, they're dumb, they're ignorant, they're ungodly, but the church has it all figured. The church is a train wreck of epic proportions. We're a mess and we got to just acknowledge that. But we cover, up ourself, we cover it up with fig leaves and try to act like we've got it all together. And it's just a robe of fake self-righteousness. Doesn't mean we excuse our wrong, but we need to just acknowledge it and realize and strive to do better. But just realize that the church is made up of sinners who were saved by grace and are still sinners. Yeah, I mean, and I bet you every person listening could tell their crazy stories. I, I bet you I bet you, we could fill up the chat, which is each person telling, well, this happened to me, or this happened in my church, or this happened to a, a family member in their church. And it, it would just be one horrible story after another. I mean, I, I told the story of, of, of the pastor's wife smashing the, the front door out, the glass of the front door out of the parsonage that I was living in because I wasn't living with my family anymore because of all the chaos there. And she smashes the window out, opens the door, comes in, grabs me by the ear, pulls me out of the parsonage, and says I cannot have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ if I'm listening to Foreigner. And you're like, what in the world? I'm basically almost being physically assaulted and property is being smashed because I'm listening to a rock album? that's not even that rock it's more pop it's foreigner four for crying out loud but i mean it's just crazy things that happen in the name of christianity we're we're, we're a mess maybe that's the whole message tonight. But okay, you can share your story if you would like, newsif at yahoo.com. I wish I could have made it through some, there's some stories that even get worse in that in that list, but there's some mess, messed up stuff there, but all of them deal with issues that we probably all have seen. So I'll stop right there. Hopefully it was beneficial. Everyone have a good night. Um, yes, uh, this is a. This is beneficial to. to it, this is beneficial to remember. We all need to calm down, act in a humane, empathetic manner with others, and trust God with the outcome of their souls. That's what I'm taking away. Yes, and I do think it's important to just remember the difficulty of being a Christian parent in there, since some of those are clearly stories about what happened when they were kids. Um, being a Christian parent is so hard. Is so hard, and you got to listen to your kids. uh, if, I, if, I, if I've learned anything that you need to do a better job of, of asking your kid what they think about Christianity, and, and, and hopefully they're in an environment where they can be honest because they may just grow up. To, and you may catch on really quick that they just think uh, that, they, that, they, that all they know of are the rules. And if all they know is that Christianity is rules, then they miss the whole point. And I – yeah, I, I can speak of my own failure there. They, they just grow up knowing the rules rules, rules, rules. Man, yeah. Oh, me. No amen for me to that, to that. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.